Oh, my heart, oh, my heart. Ah, so much joy. So much joy in my heart today as we celebrate. Easter, Easter is always a highlight for me as a pastor, a leader in a faith community. This is, this is the moment in all of humanity's experience, all of history. This is the moment that, cherry, that changes everything. Uh, I want to echo uh, Kevin's uh, thankfulness uh, just expressed earlier for all of you who participated in uh, leading our Good Friday Stations of the Cross and the online worship service. People who did the music, the actors, people leading the stations and organizing, getting all the people. Thank you so much. It was such a beautiful and blessed experience. And uh, I... I hope that you were also encouraged and challenged uh, as you participated in that. And this morning we celebrate resurrection. Resurrection. Jesus is risen. Oh, no, 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 no. I know, okay. I didn't give you fair warning, I know. But it should be right there. I mean, this is, this is, the, this is what's going through our minds over and over and over again. He is risen. He is, risen. he is risen. Hallelujah. It just, oh, I got a hallelujah. That's awesome. Thank you. This is a day of joy, celebration, and we remember and proclaim that Jesus is alive. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He is alive, and because he is alive, we live. Last week, we heard from Carol Letkeman, who was serving with uh, Multiply and was part of the SOAR uh, experience last week. And Carol shared with us the story of Peter's denials, the trials and challenges that he faced. And she reminded us so powerfully in that message last week that there is hope even in our trials, even in our failures, because God's mercies are new every morning. God comes to us each day in the midst of our need and raises us up and lifts us so that we can walk again. In the passage we read this morning, We have these women who come to the tomb to honor Jesus. To put the spices on his body. And as they come to the tomb, they have a question. There is a question that weighs heavily on them. Because they don't know what to do about it. Their question is, who will roll away the stone? There is a stone, a large stone, and it has been sealed by the governor. It has been sealed, and there are guards. Who will roll away this stone so that we can be with Jesus? 
The stone is an obstacle in the path. The stone is an insurmountable, impossible thing for them. But they still go. Who will roll away the stone? But when they arrive at the tomb, as they come close to the place where Jesus has laid, their eyes are playing tricks on them. The soldiers are gone. The seal is broken. The stone has been moved. But the first thought, perhaps, with the stone being moved is, oh no, the stone has been moved. If the stone has been moved, where is Jesus? Did someone take him? Has something else happened that we don't know about? But then there is a messenger there that speaks words of comfort and peace to them. Jesus is not here. The grave could not hold him. He is alive. And he has gone before you into Galilee. Go there and you will meet him there with his disciples. The stone that was in the way, the stone that locked death and darkness in its place has been moved. This is a day of resurrection, a new day. A new hope, new world, a new life. Oh, I think, wait a minute. That might not be scripture. That might be Michael Buble. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me and I'm feeling good. I think he gets the feeling right though. It's a day of resurrection. New life and hope. The hope of the cross, the cross is empty. The hope of the cross has become resurrection hope. As I mentioned at the beginning, this moment when the stone is moved is the pivotal point in all of the history of humanity. It is the climactic conclusion of the whole story of God's creation and love for humanity. Everything that follows that moment is the epilogue. It's the explanation of how it all plays out. The stone has been moved. Jesus is alive. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, So if anyone is in Christ Jesus, there is a new creation. Everything old, everything old has passed away. See? Everything has become new. And all this is from God, who reconciled us 
to himself through Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And so we celebrate. We celebrate this resurrection, this new life, which begs the question, which is always the question, what does it mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me on our daily life? What has changed in our world because of this resurrection joy? There are three things that we cling to. The hope that is within us. There is hope for today. There is hope for my today because the love of God has been shown to me in Jesus Christ on the cross even when I was far from God, even when I had turned my back on God, even when I fail, even when I'm broken, even when I have sinned before God, I have hope today because of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And there is hope for tomorrow. There is hope for my tomorrow because Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful even when I cannot. Jesus has paid the price and sin is no more. And because of that, God's mercy is given afresh to me each day to live each day. Tomorrow, I walk again in the newness of resurrection. The slate is washed clean again tomorrow, and I stand as a beloved child of God. And there is hope for eternity, because death, death itself has been broken. Death has been defeated and it has no hold on me anymore. And if I am not afraid to die, imagine where I can go. Imagine what I can do with the power of Christ in me. Living for the kingdom of God. I want to draw your attention though to the way that we think about what is going on here in this resurrection that is maybe colored and touched by our way of looking at the world, our culture and society. We are part of Western civilization, the Western way of looking at the world. And with that Western Christianity, it's not a different faith, it's not a different Christianity, but it shades some of the meanings. So on Easter Sunday, if you are seeing pictures of Jesus, images, paintings of Jesus resurrected, what do you usually see? You usually see shiny Jesus is what I like to call him, right? Shiny Jesus stepping out of the tomb, light radiating around him, or maybe Jesus standing there and angels going, ah, right? Jesus alone in glory, but alone. In Western Christianity, we celebrate what is called the resurrection of Jesus. 
This is because for us in the West, we often look at Scripture and what God is doing through a lens of the individual and even Jesus as the individual resurrection that he represents. We think of salvation primarily in individual terms. A personal faith. Me and Jesus. What Jesus does for me. But this is not the only picture of resurrection. In fact, in the early church and through the Eastern church for the first thousand years of Christianity, they didn't think of resurrection in this way. In fact, they didn't call it the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The church for the first thousand years, as depicted here in this picture that you see on the screen, if we can put that up on the slide for those at home. Now, back to the first image, please. We see here, as depicted on the dome of a church in Turkey, we see Jesus, the resurrected one, the Son of God, lifted up. And on either side of him, he is reaching down to Adam and Eve, the father and mother of humanity, and lifting them out of death and Hades. James McGrath, who is a well-known theologian, he refers to a lecture by another uh, biblical scholar, John Dominic Crossan, where he spoke in 2012 about this idea of the resurrection. And he says that what is consistently referred to as the resurrection of Jesus in Western Christianity is known as only the resurrection. It's a corporate resurrection. It's a communal resurrection, not an individual kind of thing. Now let's go to this second image that I have here. This is, a, this is a, on, I believe it's St. Mark's in Venice. This is an image that is painted there. And you see Jesus taking Adam by the wrist, by the hand. And there are other figures from the Old Testament around. And underneath the feet of Jesus, I don't know if you can see it from where you are. You can look, look a little more carefully. Underneath the feet of Jesus, there is the foot of Jesus trampling on the gates of Hades and on death, represented there by the figure of a man. He is trampling on death itself. Jesus grabbing Adam by his wrist. I don't know, it's not a very strong looking wrist. Shows that Adam and we as humanity have nothing to offer for our own salvation, nothing to contribute. It is God in Jesus who grabs hold of us in our death and accomplishes salvation for us. It is our resurrection, not only the resurrection of Jesus. 
I want you to leave that uh, image up for a while, if you can, while I'm speaking. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we read these words. When it says he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended, that is Jesus, into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fulfill all things. In this verse and in others, such as in 1 Peter chapter 4, the early church understands that what Jesus does in his death is significant. He's not just lying there in the tomb. He is accomplishing salvation, resurrection for all of humanity. Here, listen here to a short excerpt from a sermon for Holy Saturday. A sermon from Epiphanius of Constantia. Epiphanius of Constantia, who was a bishop in the 4th century. He became a bishop around 367 following Christ. Here is his, here's an excerpt from his sermon for that day. Jesus has gone to search out Adam, the first father, as if he were a lost sheep earnestly longing to visit those who live in darkness and the shadow of death. He who is both their God and a son of Eve has gone to liberate Adam from his bonds and Eve who is captive along with him. And he says, I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Arise, my seed, arise, my form, who has been made in my image. I wish I could preach like that. Maybe with a little more practice. Give me another 20 years. And so, yes, this is Resurrection Sunday. Yes, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And, and we, we rise with him. We too are resurrected. All of humanity is resurrected. We celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus who is the first fruit from among the dead, and our own resurrection to new life in Christ. So on Easter Sunday, let us not only proclaim that he is risen, he is risen, he is risen indeed, and we too arise with him. Hallelujah! I want you to say this with me. He is risen he is risen indeed, and we too arise with him. Hallelujah. And this means that we are changed. Our lives are changed. Romans chapter 6 is that central passage in Paul's writings which explains to us 
how salvation is accomplished. Hear these words from Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death. So that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This resurrection is not just something that happens at the end of time. This resurrection has happened already and will be completed when our Lord comes again. This means that we live in Christ, a new life, a new hope, resurrection hope, in which there is hope for my today because of the love of God shown in Jesus Christ. In the resurrection, being rescued from sin and death, my past is gone. Your past is gone. So many of us live lives defined by our past, defined by our failure, defined by what has happened in our lives, and we carry that around with us, a burden that we cannot sustain. It pulls us down, it crushes our spirits, and it keeps us from walking the path that Jesus has for us. The resurrection of Christ means that the power of our past is broken. The power of sin in my life is broken. I will not live in shame. I will not live in guilt because I am new. You are new in Christ. I have hope for today. And there is hope for tomorrow because of the faithfulness of Jesus. Even when I fail, he does not. Even when I am weak, he is not. Even when I turn away, he does not. And tomorrow, I will be an overcomer once again. Though I stumble and fall and struggle today, I know that tomorrow his mercy is new. I know that tomorrow I am resurrected again in Jesus Christ. And through his power, I rise again. I do not need to have fear about tomorrow. I do not need to worry and have anxieties about what will happen or how others see me or where I will go. I have a purpose, I have a calling, I have work to do for the kingdom of God. I have hope for tomorrow because of the faithfulness of Jesus. And there is hope for my eternity because death has been trampled under the foot of Christ. Death has been defeated. It has no hold on me anymore. 
Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14 say this, He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us, taken us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What does your life look like when there's no more fear? What does your life look like when there's no more shame? What does your life look like when there's no stone in the way? The stone has been moved by the power of God. Where would you go? Who would you go to? What newness, what new challenges, what new possibilities, what would you jump into with abandon if there's no longer any fear? This is the kingdom life, the resurrection life, the resurrection hope. And together, with all of our brothers and sisters here today in this place and around the world, churches, brothers and sisters all around this world, we sing and say and proclaim together, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And we too shall rise with Him. Hallelujah.